Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. Qué golazo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín, 1-0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunnar Blog. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. It's been it yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while, isn't it? It's nice to be back. Yeah, it's not nice for me to be back in Dublin. I have to say, was, no, I imagine not. It was much nicer for me to be somewhere where it was really warm, and I could go to a bar and drink five beers, and it would cost me ten euros. Do you know how amazing that is to somebody who lives in Ireland? Five beers, bottles of beer, for 10 euros. I mean, it sounds pretty good to someone who lives in England, I'll be honest with you. That's true. I've noticed over the last little while that the price of uh, booze in England has risen quite, quite substantially. It used to be. It used to be. I know there was always the currency difference and stuff, but it used to be quite a bit cheaper than it was. And now it's, like, really expensive. Inflation, guys. Uh, but what Inflation. There's been a huge recession. How I can- mean, look, I won't pretend to understand it. But people keep paying the money, don't they? People want the booze and they keep paying the money. Ah, uh, that's what it is. The people are to blame for drinking. Exactly, as per bloody usual. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into that conversation. I'm just saying that in Barcelona, it's a, very, a relatively uh, cheap place to drink. If you go to the right places, of course, you can go to places and, and pay quite a lot of money. Uh, a gin and tonic, generally speaking, in Barcelona is €7.50. Okay. Which is, I guess, relatively expensive until you realise that in each gin and tonic they put about three measures of gin that you would get here. Well, that's something I've noticed in Spain. Yeah, the measures are much more generous. Yeah, yeah. And if, if they pour into your glass, they pour, they pour, they pour, and then you can kind of go... Ah, ah, come on. And they exactly. will, they'll pour a little bit more in. So. They're just a very generous people. They are. The uh, Catalans. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But that's not, <laughs> that's not something we'll get, we'll get into right here. Um, I just have to tell people that if you ever are in Barcelona um, and you fancy a slice of pizza, there's a place on Calle Ample called mm. la, la, la Pizza Pazza. Which is a Calle Ample is down, um, heading down towards Barcelonetta. And it's a little place on a corner, and they do an absolutely fantastic slice. The best slice of pizza I've had outside of New York. Really? And comparable with the slices that you get in some places in New York, but not, not maybe the best ones. But it's delicious pizza, and I'm really, really, really going to miss that pizza. Oh, I like pizza. That sounds great. Mm, you what sort of toppings are we talking about here? Well, I mean, the, we, I just went with the margarita, but they do a they do a pepperoni with some uh, hot peppers on it as well, which is good. They had a vegetable one, which of course I wouldn't eat because what's the point? Vegetables mm. on a pizza? I don't, you know, I don't really see the whole point. It's uh, futile. And uh, there, there was a uh, ham and sort of mushroomy kind of one, and oh, they, they, they had a few, but it was, it was very good, delicious, crispy base well in there so that's kind of uh that's kind of my thing now slice of pizza five beers in a bar for a tenner it's like 12 quid and that's a night out in the middle of the afternoon i mean not uh, bad a night out in the afternoon yeah times so you had your loan move to barcelona any chance of it being made permanent what do you think i hope so (laughs) (laughs) that would be good i'm just waiting for the offers sure sure uh yeah i mean look it's not bad here in Dublin today, but generally speaking, the way of life, the outsideness of it all, it suits me down to the ground. So I'm open to uh, I'm open to um, to listening to, to offers. If anybody out there has got a, a high paying job in Barcelona, they'd like me to to do part time while I continue working on Ars Blog and recording podcasts. That would be fantastic. Maybe like Barcelona manager. Yeah, that would be quite good. Luis Enrique he's won the treble in his first season. Call it a day. Seems like a relatively easy job, doesn't it? I reckon you could do Ask Blog and do that at the same time. I yeah. mean, they've got all the players. You just let them go out on the pitch and yeah. play. You, you guys know what to do. I'll just sort of sit here and... I think Messi's in charge anyway, isn't he? That's very true. And I look, I, for one, would be happy to be subjugated by Lionel Messi. You probably <laughs> know better than me, mate. You just yeah. you, go ahead, do what you like. I don't care. Just, I mean, what, 60 goals a season? 
Yeah, you, you've earned the right to uh, to be the manager of the team, and I would just be a token figurehead earning a couple a couple of million euros a year, uh, and it would be a great story, great mm. story for football. I think football needs it. Well, listen, it's been all changed this end as well. Yeah. I've actually moved house. Well, I say I say house. It's more flat in a way, um, from South London to North London. Blind now, within walking distance of the Emirates Stadium again, which is exciting to me. Yeah. But what this means, of course, uh, is the sad passing of the Arscast Extra Lorry. <sighs> so you're not on a so you're not facing the street with a window. Is that what you're I saying? Mean, there is a street and a window, but I've been here a few days and there's been no beeping of any kind. It's it's, it's lonely without it, to be honest with you. Mm. Maybe something else will crop up, but in the meantime, I think we should all just take a moment to think of the Arscast Extra Lorry and the ex- extraordinary contribution it made to this podcast. Hashtag rest in peace. Hashtag pray for the Oscars extra lorry. Well, um, yeah, that's all change. I mean, that is a, has been a significant part of, of this podcast. So maybe something will take its place. We'll find out in the mornings when we uh, record back when the season's going that there, will, there, there could be something else out there, like a really angry squirrel in a tree. I'd love that, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. As I said, the company would be appreciated. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, you're back in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, and football. Well, I, I haven't... Uh, there's been a Copa America. I haven't really seen any of that at all. I saw Alexis score a diving header, which was yeah. like... That was ridiculous. It was lovely, because it was one of those diving headers that felt sort of unnecessary, because it was kind of knee height, wasn't it? And from miles out. Yeah. Um, it was a great goal. Brilliant goal. Yeah. Um, so he's been up to that. I think Colombia are doing okay as well, aren't they? They beat Brazil. With uh, David Ospina in sticks. Yes, yes, seems to be the soon-to-be departed David Ospina, by all accounts. That's what mm. they're saying. Going the same way as the lorry, isn't it? Yeah, he is. Poor, poor, poor lorry Ospina. We, we will come to that a bit later on, I guess. That, that yes. could be one of our topics of discussion, given that there's nothing else happening. But the main the main thing, of course, is Petr Cech. Well, that's that's all the uh, all the talk, isn't it? Lots of puns on the word Czech flying around the internet. yes. It yes. seems imminent, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's check, if not quite checkmate. Hey, somebody so had another to do one it. to the Somebody pile. had to do it. Um, yeah, but it does. It, when Bob Wilson's speaking quite so openly about it, uh, I mean, I'm not sure he's actually involved in the deal, but it suggests that around the club and you know people associated with the club, there is a real confidence. That Bob, Bob Wilson has is actually tasked with the <laughs> uh, with the um, the bringing of Petr Cech to Arsenal. He's going to help him move house. I think he sure. might be moving from West London to North London. He could be your neighbour. This could be what, this could be the thing. Petr well, Bob Cech- Wilson helped me, I have to say. He was extremely, extremely kind in that respect. He turned up, you know, man with a van. Yeah, one Bob in a van. Up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, for a very, very reasonable fee. Oh, of course, leaving means leaving behind the neighbours. The the neighbours who contributed to the Arscast Extra. Yes. But I did meet them before I went. You'll be glad to know. Oh, did, were they nice? Very nice, although no casserole involved from either side. Oh, come on. I know. Come on, guys. This is basic stuff. Maybe um, if you got a casserole, everything would have been fine. I think so. I might post them a casserole. That In what? In various padded envelopes? Just in like a jiffy bag, yeah. A whole casserole or just the ingredients? The whole casserole ready-made. It's fine. I'll send it recorded delivery or something. It'll yeah, be okay. that'd be good. This way up, because we know that post people they always keep it that way up. When you say this way, this way up, and they don't just exactly. like fling it in the back of a, a, a postal van. The amount of times I've opened, you know, my packages just to discover the casserole's been ruined. It's fucking Fu- shameful. Furious. Anyway, back to Petr Cech, who mm. who is, as we know, a goalkeeper. One of those. He is a goalkeeper. And Bob Wilson has said some interesting things today. He said that he thinks that Petr Cech has five or six seasons of greatness left in him. What do you think about that? <sighs> greatness is a big word, isn't it? It's I not, mean, not that big. <laughs> there are longer ones. It's only most, nine. nine five, yeah, mostly nine, in Welsh. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great signing. I'm really, really chuffed with it. I think it's one of those where... To me, to my mind at least, it's a clear improvement on the, the situation as things stand. Um, you know, I think he's 33, is he? Yeah. That's the same age that Jens Lehmann was when he came from uh, 
From Dortmund or Stuttgart or someone like Dortmund, I think it was. It's also the same age that Jesus was when he was nailed to a cross by the Romans. So that's a danger that I think until he reaches 34, it could be quite precarious. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if there's a, a player of a club that that's going to happen to, it'll be an Arsenal player. I, I mean, I probably, yeah. The one injury we haven't had on physio room is crucifixion. Yeah, I mean, if we if we get drawn against Lazio in some kind of competition, I would suggest leaving him at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's great. And Van der Sar, I think, was even older when he went to Manchester United. That's the sort of signing it reminds me of most when Van der Sar went to United because he was at Fulham at the time. There was a slight sense that maybe he was past his best. There is that suspicion potentially with Czech because he's been displaced by Courtois. But I still think he that Bob Wilson's right. He's got good years in him for a goalkeeper. That's, you know, there's still some way to the end. And I think um, it's a step up and he's... He's won everything there is to win, really, at club level. So he's a, he's a leader. He's a big figure in the dressing room. I really, really hope it gets over the line. Yeah. Do you have any worries that it won't? Because, let's face it, this is Chelsea. And they seem to be acting in a way, from my point of view anyway, and I said this in the blog, that does not tally with the way Chelsea operate or Roman Abramovich operates or Jose Mourinho operates. You mean they're showing some compassion and kindness? Yeah, they, they appear to be dealing with this in a fairly human way. And as we all know, they're, they're simply not. They're not. I mean, you don't do what Roman Abra- Abramovich do, uh, do, did, dad, did. You don't, etc. Um, by being soft-hearted or warm-hearted or compassionate or in any way give a shit about what one person thinks because you're yeah. just you know and the, and the same with Mourinho this idea that that he's been completely and utterly overruled by Abramovich you know I'm not sure I get I buy that either I mean I think it's more likely to go through than not but I can't I can't help but harbor suspicions that their 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 potential for abject country might just get in the way of this happening well my suspicions were aroused when Messrs Abramovich and Mourinho were sort of doing check a favour. And then as soon as I saw John Terry coming out and saying nice things about him potentially going to Arsenal, that was sort of, you know, the moment where it tipped over into genuine fear of what they must be plotting. Because mm. there's no way that positive sentiments can emanate from that man with legitimacy. Mm. So, uh, yeah, and I, of course, we all remember, we all remember Denver. Denver we- Bar. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the transfer deadline day signing that wasn't, it was all good to go. Arsenal.com had the, the welcome Denver hashtag poised on Twitter. Yep. And then Chelsea pulled the plug at the yep. last minute. Um, I mean, this isn't a last minute situation, though. Um, so, so that's a little bit different. But, and I, I think the reality is that it, there's so much smoke around this deal that it, it, it is probably going to go through. But why, why, why would Chelsea do it if they really felt Check was going to be that big of an improvement for us when they could easily just be complete wankers about the whole thing. And as football clubs have shown in the past, and Arsenal have been uh, done that too, the same way they've been fairly ruthless with with certain players. Mm. It's so, difficult, isn't it? I mean, I mean, in, you know, we've sold players to rival clubs before. You think of Robin van Persie, but that was a, a situation that was, I guess, forced by a contractual position. I mean, Chelsea are very focused on. Uh, meeting the FFP conditions. And if the, I reckon that if they think they can get more than £10 million for a player who will be 34 next season, maybe that's a factor in their thinking. Mm. I don't know. But isn't the whole FFP thing a load of farcical bollocks? Is, going, out, uh, going down the pan yeah, quickly. So, I mean, yeah. what do they care? I don't know. I'm, I'm, if it happens, I'll be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree that it's very fishy. And until it's done... In fact, even an announcement on the website doesn't mean anything, as we've seen with Jersey Dudek and, let's not forget, Fabian Carini. Yes, yes. Another goalkeeper who signed for Arsenal and then disappeared again. Could we make it a hat-trick of non-goalkeeping signings? Well, this is it. Well, in fairness, I think now the club have very much learned their lesson because there have been deals that have been done, in inverted commas, but not done if that makes sense. And uh, it could be somebody like Cazorla even a couple of years ago where, where everybody knew it was done and dusted, but the, the, uh, the official site didn't announce it until everything had been signed and all the legalities had been done. So I don't think they, I don't think they make those announcements um, until everything is completed 100%. So I, I doubt we'll see a repeat of that. But 
So listen, you intimated on your blog, I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that you have a little bit of a concern over Czech that he, you know, he might be past his best. Is that, is that, is that something you feel? Um, well, I mean, he's 33, so it's not old in the life of a goalkeeper. But, uh, you know, it's... When Chelsea are, are not happy but willing to let a player go, mm. then maybe you do have to ask the question or, or, or harbour that worry. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case, but uh, maybe I'm just being overly suspicious simply because it's Chelsea. I mean, uh, you've been burnt in the past when Manchester United agreed to sell us Mikael Sylvester. Well, this is exactly it. He was shit to begin with, though. So that's kind of... Yeah. That kind of uh, <laughs> it's not quite equivalent. It's not quite the equivalent. Yeah, but I mean, I think you do have... I think you do have to ask that, particularly when Czech could probably pick and choose from most clubs in Europe, could he not? There was a lot of talk about Paris Saint-Germain, wasn't there? Yeah, but I think around Europe, I mean, who, who else would want him? United could use him. There's a lot of goalies on the move this summer. A bit of a merry-go-round in, yeah. in place, isn't there? United. Uh, uh, who else in Spain? Who have uh, Who have Real Madrid got? Well, they've got Casillas, but they're trying to get De Gea, aren't they? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. But then, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think he'd have his pick of a lot of clubs, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But, so I mean, but, that's that's my only concern. Like I said, though, I will wait and see what happens. Uh, it's if a controversial signs. theory to, rather than pass judgment the moment someone signs, actually wait and see them play. I mean, I, know. I don't know if you've thought this through fully. Uh, you know, probably not. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here. And you I know. mean, why would you do that when you could just watch YouTube clips endlessly? Yeah. Yeah. I could save myself a lot of time and energy um, <laughs> and, and, you know, write all the pieces ahead of time, just schedule them. No, I mean, I think, I think it's the only way to do it is just wait and see how he performs. And... Um, Obviously, Arsene Wenger, if this is going to go through, feels that he can bring something to the to the team. And interestingly, what do you think is going to happen with the goalkeeping um, coach situation? Because Tony Roberts left for Swansea. Tony Roberts was the favourite goalkeeping coach of all our goalkeepers, mm. particularly Lukas Fabianski, um, but Wojciech Szczesny as well. I seem to remember Szczesny paying tribute to him at some point you mm. know, when he... I don't know, it's some landmark in his career. Yeah, and perhaps the the same feeling isn't there towards Jerry Payton right. from our goalkeepers. And I wrote something about this for ESPN a couple of weeks back that maybe one of the signings Arsenal could make this summer would be a new goalkeeping coach in the sense that Shan Forsyth had a big impact on the, on the squad in the second half of this season. Maybe, just maybe, um, improving your coaching staff will also help improve the team without having to do everything in the transfer market. We know that Petr Cech um, comes with, what's his name, Christoph Lollichon? Lollichon or Lollichon? Or, uh, Lollichon, Lollichon. Yeah. Who he worked with at, at Ran... Uh, Rans. Is that not how it's pronounced? Rans. I don't know. Oh, Rennies. Oh, no, they're, the, they're the tablets, aren't they, for mm. your indigestion. Um he worked with him there and at Chelsea. So, yeah, maybe they come as a pair. Mm. But it would be very interesting then because you'd, be, you'd have our first-choice goalkeeper being coached by, obviously, uh, his, his mentor. And you'd think that whoever, uh, whichever of the other two stays would obviously be under his control as well. So maybe that's, a, that's an interesting sideline to, to this whole move. Well, it's certainly interesting timing, isn't it? Tony Roberts going off to Swansea. Yeah. And then potentially Czech coming in. He's an interesting character, actually, Lollichon. He's very outspoken in the French media. He's sort of mouthed off quite a lot of times, apparently, about things behind the scenes at Stamford Bridge. So if he does come to Arsenal, they'll be keen to uh, to gag him. Shut they? your mouth, mate. I think there'll be a bit of that going on, yeah. yeah. Um, but but I, um, I'll be fascinated to see, of course, what happens with the, the, the existing goalkeepers. Maybe we'll come to that in the... I think we've got that in in the questions part. In the questions, yeah. The other uh, the other big news, of course, since I left for wonderful Barcelona and great pizza and beers for two euros. Hey, come on, chin up, man. No. It'll be all right. <laughs> it's so tough. But anyway, <laughs> the other thing that happened was the departure of Rio Miaichi. Yes, indeed. Well, it's a blow to us all, I know. Rio Dino. Once named by Robin Van Persie as in the top three young players in the world. Was he? Yeah. Did he do that? Yeah, when Van Persie was uh, was Arsenal captain, he was asked to name the three most exciting talents in world football. Rio got a mensch. Um, 
<laughs> but Robin's made a few mistakes in his time, you know. Yes. But I think that has to be up there. <laughs> right up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying uh, nothing. I'm so tempted, but I'm saying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so he's gone to a, a team in the German second division. Yes, indeed. So he has. I mean, strange one. I mean, to be honest, we, we never, I never really saw him do anything decent in an Arsenal shirt. I always heard these sort of reports of his time in Holland when he first came over to Europe, where he was seemingly quite impressive at Feyenoord, but it didn't translate. And there were a lot of injuries along the way as well, weren't there? James, could it be, and I'm just throwing this out there... Uh, come on, hit me with it. ...that via the medium of the internet, mm. the talent and displays of a young player have been over-exaggerated? I'm not having this, Andrew. I'm not having this. YouTube compilations don't lie. They are a bastion of truth and authenticity. Right. Well, that's me put in my place, then. Um, no, of course, <laughs> of course. I mean, he's like, you know, he's the kind of... Uh, the ultimate in the sort of Joel Campbell exaggeration of talent, I think. We've got a few of those. There's a few we've of had those. plenty in our time. Mm. Because as a fan base, we get quite excited about young players, don't we? Because historically, we've you know brought some exciting talent through. And there was a time where we weren't buying big players. So you kind of had to invest your hope in a, a 15-year-old from Come some on, Samuel island. Galindo! Exactly. <laughs> Oh, Galindo. I miss him to this day. I Bolivian. Know. Bolivian playmaker. I just, I just can't believe it didn't work out. Do we know where he is now? Uh, yes. <laughs> In a travelling circus? No. No. Where is he? I've got no idea. <laughs> he, play, he plays for a team called Sport Boys Warns. Um, what? <laughs> Sport Boys Warns. Yeah. Where the hell is that? It is in... It is a second division... Oh, no, it's a Primera Division team in Bolivia. Oh, right, OK. So we went back home. Seemingly so. Right. Um, oh, talking of young players, this, I saw an article that they suggesting that Wellington Silver is in negotiations about a new deal. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly he's done a lot <laughs> to deserve one. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Look... You can never say never. This is what this is what Coquelin has done now. He's taken the ins the assurance of our opinions about players and thrown them out the window. Even I mean, though they'll all laugh at us when Samuel Galindo comes back next season, uh, <laughs> you know, and stars in the second half of the campaign, displaces Meza Urzel as a key playmaker <laughs> in the side. Exactly. People exactly. Playing this clip to us on loop. What about? Um, have we talked about Thomas Rosicki on the podcast? Um, I, maybe, but. The, the idea, the New Deal thing. The New Deal and his general sort of grumpiness and he surliness. Has, he has been quite grumpy. And uh, yeah. Andrew Allen was at the um, the kit launch. I don't know if you made it. I did make it. I was I was very much there with my, my one arm. Yeah. With one arm. Um, he, he, um, he mentioned that Rosicki looked a little bit fucked off. <laughs> mm. um, you know, bit of a circus... It's just a shirt, guys. And and clearly what he said in the press uh, is that uh, he, he's not happy with the situation. Um, he didn't sound terribly assured that it would be any better for him. And it was obvious from what he was saying that he had no choice. It was that Arsenal took up the option of the deal and said, we're keeping you. It wasn't a case that the two sat down together and said, would you like to continue? Yes, I would. We'd like you to continue. Hooray, let's have some cake. It was a case that Arsenal activated the extra year in his contract. What's going on in the world where Chelsea are the sort of humane ones letting one of their star players join a rival, whereas we're keeping Thomas Rosicki locked up against his will? We made him sign all his contracts in a dungeon that looked like it was used by Fred West and Dr. Fucking Shipman, whatever his name was. For, for tens of thousand pounds a week. Yeah, I know. How evil are we? We really um, are. No, I'm, I'm, I will be interested to see how this one plays out. I think he, it may end with him leaving the club anyway uh, on a free transfer, potentially. Do you think, because yeah? I, th I don't know. I just sort of... I can't see his situation massively improving. He'll be another year older. I think there might be new players coming into the squad. Mm. So it's difficult, it's difficult to keep someone around who's unhappy about it, basically. If, if you want, even if the idea of keeping him is that he's going to be a kind of role model for the rest of the squad, set an example in training, to what extent is he going to do those things? I know he's a great pro, but if, 
He just doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, look, he's got the, I think he's good, realistic. I think he's just simply realistic about, mm. about his chances of playing as much as he would like. Um, and he's often spoken about being a couple of years younger than his actual age because of the years that he missed. So for him, I would suggest that he'd be really keen to play as often as possible, even if it meant dropping down a level or moving to a different league. I think he would be, at his age, more inclined to do that. And I don't doubt that he really has good feelings for Arsenal um, and, and would love to be more involved at Arsenal if that was the case. But I think he's just being realistic. That there are going to be perhaps signings. There are players who are ahead of him, ahead of him at the moment. When Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is fully fit again, we saw that he essentially took Rosicki's place in the cup final squad. So mm. you know, I don't think it's. Um, I don't have any problem with him talking about his unhappiness because it's coming from a place of of honesty. You know, he's not being disingenuous in any way. He's not trying to do anything. He he qualifies what he's saying by by saying, well, look, I'll be professional. When my chance comes, I'll try and do my best, as he did. But look, if I were, if I were him, I think I'd want to leave. I was a bit surprised that Arsenal chose to take up the option, if I'm honest. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too, considering thought... how little he played. And considering yeah. Arsene Wenger has, for the most part, when players have, I, I won't say reached... The, to say reach the point of uselessness is wrong, but reach the point where they're not going to play as much as the manager knows they want to play. He's been he's been quite not happy, but he's been willing to let them go, and that's not the case with Rosicki. So it's an odd one, all right. It is an odd one, but you know, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it resolves in a way that makes all parties happy because I think he has been a good servant to Arsenal, and whilst Arsenal have been loyal to him too, you yeah, know, yeah, he's been injured, so it'd be a shame to see it end on a sour note. Yeah. All right, okay. Well, look, I think that'll do for part one. We'll come yeah. back with some uh, questions in part two. Welcome back to part two of this Arscast Extra. And uh, this is the time where we answer the questions you send to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog with the hashtag Arscast Extra. So this is the first question, and hey, we might as well just get into it. Um, I, I might have a second part to this question if the answer um, to it goes in, in a certain way. So I'll come back to you on that. But this one, many people asked it, and the first one, I think, to ask it was Darshan Meta at DHM underscore AFC. And he wants to know, if we have to ship out one of Ospina or Chesney, who should it be? Wow, this is the this is the the question of the week, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I so instinctively I'd say Ospina because I think Chesney's got the greater potential. I know they're around the same age, but if you, my opinion has always been that Chesney could be a very very good Premier League goalkeeper. I think he is a good Premier League goalkeeper, but I think he could be exceptional. Mm. And actually, I think that if the goalkeeping coaching staff changes that could be a very positive thing for him. I also think it will be a positive thing for him if he can accept being second fiddle, having a mentor like Czech around. Ah, because this yeah. comes back to the question then, the second part, uh, Max Schilling at Max Schilling said, how much do you think the Czech interest is down to his coach and experience Czech brings in order to help Chesney? I think it could be quite a big factor. I mean, I do think that Czech is more than just a short-term stopgap. I think, like Bob Wilson says, he could have four or five years in him. But even at that time, Chesney will still be under 30. So he'll be entering, I suppose, what could be his peak as a goalie. And I think that there'll be plenty of opportunities for him to play in the cup competitions. And also, I think there'll be, there could be genuine competition between the two. But I do think that if you think about Chesney's Arsenal career... Was Jens Lehmann maybe there at the at the very outset of it? Um, I, I couldn't tell you actually off the top of my head. But after that, primarily he hasn't really had that kind of role model as a senior goalkeeper, mm. someone for him to aspire to and learn from. Yeah, I mean, he had Fabianski there, but Fabianski was erratic, to say the yeah. least. And Fabianski was a big figure for Chesney, and he was always very clear on that. He saw him as a kind of elder brother, and he looked up to him, admired him. But... Primarily, Chesney was number one ahead of Fabianski. Mm. And for most of his Arsenal career, Fabianski actually had quite a difficult time. I think he struggled for confidence and there were a lot of high-profile errors. So I think, you know, if people question Chesney's attitude more than they question his ability, and I definitely think there's a lot he could learn from Czech on that front. Mm. I'm not saying 
Ospina couldn't. Obviously, he could, but I do have some concerns. I mean, it's a very, very basic thing, and I know it seems reductive, but fundamentally, as Bob Wilson has said in the past, with his height, there are concerns over whether he'll ever truly flourish in the Premier League. Sure. Uh, where Chesney doesn't have that obstacle. I also think that... Uh, sorry, I know this is quite a long answer, but I also think that Arsene Wenger's already invested a decade in Wojciech Chesney. You know, he came over at about 15, didn't he, from Poland. Uh-huh. And I think that having put so much time into his development, if you're then going to choose one of the two keepers to carry on with, that might be a factor. He's an Arsenal guy through and through. He came through the academy. We know that's important to <clears throat> Arsene and also... And means that he's a homegrown figure in terms of squad building and the numbers side. Yeah. So Chesney would be would be my choice. What about you? Uh, I can only agree with everything you said. Um, my, my choice would be Chesney. Uh, I just think he's a better goalkeeper than Ospina. I think potentially he's got the um, he could be a lot better than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think perhaps yeah, he's he might have the benefit of mentoring or being mentored by Czech, of having that competition, of having somebody with that dedication and focus and talent ahead of him, uh, which could kick him on as a player. I think perhaps there might have even been a touch of complacency from him this season because he didn't necessarily view Ospina as the guy who could take his place. And then all of a sudden, he did. Um, it would be really weird to sell Ospina after just a year, though. I mean, that's a, it's just an odd thing. I mean, we don't, we don't normally do that. But I think the situation is that if Czech comes in, one of them, one of them has got to go. And yeah, I, I, think, mean, I think it will be Ospina. It seems that way. Were those quotes legitimate, where Ospina said, my agent's talking with Fenerbahce? I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I did see something. I'm not sure they were necessarily quite as explicit as that. But, um, right. you know... It seems something might be in the works. Yeah, and I think you're right in the, in terms of uh, Chesney being a homegrown player, um, somebody who a lot of work has gone into, somebody who has played whatever nearly 200 games for Arsenal, and who is, um, despite the reputation he gets or 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 the criticism he gets, he's he gets what the club is about as well. Mm. You know, he's been there since he was 15. He's a fan. He likes to wind up Tottenham a bit, you know, in a less public way than, than Jack Wilshere, perhaps. But, you know, it's good to have those kind of players around the club as well. And uh, again, if it, if it comes right down to it, just in terms of sheer talent and ability in the modern game, I think Chesney, despite what happened this season, has the edge over Ospina uh, and could potentially be a lot better than him. Uh, particularly uh, with a couple of uh, years' work under somebody like Czech, and maybe, as we go back to talking about, with a really good goalkeeping coach. Maybe that could be a big improvement for him as well. What about this? So uh, this question, very similar, this comes from uh, Charlie E, who is Esberg ERC on Twitter. He says, if we were to sign Czech, would there be any merit in Chesney having a season out on loan and keeping a spinner around? Uh, no. Okay. I don't. I don't think so. Um, Basically, you think the benefit of Chesney working with Czech and the yeah. new coach day in day out is greater than him getting game time elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And he's still going to play in the cups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he may play in some European games as well. And uh, I think uh, I think the benefit for Arsenal would be that if you've got a, a, a goalkeeper like Chesney who is improving and a guy like uh, Czech who improves your team. Then you want the two of them to be working together. You want you want the competition to be um, to be real, mm. and for the benefits of that competition to be real. Whereas Czech and Ospina, well, he's not going to be worried about that. True, you know. So I think I think uh, I think Chesney uh, to Chesney to stay, Ospina to go. Maybe Ospina could even go out on loan. You, you never know. Um, but the, I I fe- I think that's what it will be. It is unusual to let a player go after a year, especially a year in which they've sort of found themselves in the first team and performed relatively well. But it's also ruthless, and I think that kind of ruthlessness is a little bit what we've lacked over the past decade or so. You know, we've seen an area where we could upgrade, we've done the business, and we're shipping out the the inferior player. Mm. I think I think it's progress. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. You know, certainly the the um, the the signings that we're making indicate that the manager is is trying to change not only the the quality of the squad from a playing point of view, but the mentality of the squad as well. Mm. Um, and he's bringing in a guy who's won, I don't know how many Premier Leagues, 
I don't know how many times. Uh, three, three or, or four. Spencer, yeah. You know, he's won the Champions League. Ugh. He's won, you know, FA Cups. And uh, that adds to Alexis, who came from Barcelona. Uh, Urzel, who came from, from Real Madrid. We have a squad now collectively that has got the experience of winning two FA Cups in a row. And that, you, you know, how many times have we spoken about this over the last 10 years? That to be, uh, to have the belief that you can win and know that you can win is, is a big part of, of, of being successful because the, the, the margins are so fine. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's definitely a change. And if someone had told you a few years ago that Arsene Wenger would spend a reported £11 million on not only a goalkeeper, but one who was 33 years of age, mm. I don't think anyone would have believed it. But the parameters have changed. Yeah. And, you know, the budgets have all shifted. So yeah. we are now reaping the dividends of that. All right. Um, another question? Yeah. Oh, on this quickly, I have to tip yeah. the hat to Greg Porter, Peyton Westlake uh, on Twitter, who asks, also, should Czech start the 2016 Cup final? <laughs> let the debate begin oh yeah brilliant <laughs> um, <laughs> look forward to that one uh, this one I thought was interesting it's from Adam Arsenal and he said how do you think bids by clubs are submitted email phone call twitter direct message always interested me I just wonder what, what do you reckon um, uh, that's a good question I guess there'd have to be some kind of official communication, wouldn't there? So I yeah. think, do they not still operate by fax? Fax is a thing. I, I sort of know the answer to this in that basically I've seen bids on emails before as like email attachments. So they're like on headed PDFs effectively. Right. Um, but I do think that when paperwork goes through, when a signing is completed that fax is still used incredibly. Right. I mean, how should how should the they do it? I mean, they, you know, there's so many methods of communication. They could use uh, Snapchat. Exactly. WhatsApp, I find very convenient. WhatsApp could be, WhatsApp could be really good. Um, what, Pigeon. What a, Pigeon. Courier. Pigeons are reliable. Horse Courier. and cart. We could, you, they could get a man. You know what, you know what you should have to do is, is bring a man wearing only a loincloth, 26 point something miles from mm. the point of where uh, the, the new club is, and he's got a, uh, a scroll sealed with wax, and he has to run a marathon in order to bring the bid. It would be would especially be good, good on, on deadline day. Well, they could have sort of Sky Sports News reporters along the route. Yeah, this one here, he's died. He's died. <laughs> He's died. He's died. They shouldn't have gotten that really fat guy to do it. They should have got an athlete. Absolutely. Yeah. So there'd be a whole sort of circus around signing the athletes as well. There'd be a deadline day for that too, presumably. Yeah. Mo Farah's an Arsenal fan, so we'd be in luck. Yeah. He's quite fast. In a very he could carry the transfer bids around in a little shoulder bag. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting question, though. Yeah, there we go. I enjoyed that one. Mm. All right. Um, well, this one... Oh. There was a guy called Arsqueef, um, who, whose uh, name is Rumpel Smoothskin. Who uh, I have this here. How's the wrist? And updates on the neighbour situation, please. Neighbour thing we've we've de we've dealt with. We've dealt with. How is how is the arm? The arm. The arm is okay. I mean, it's basically it's theoretically two weeks away from being out of the cast. But I've rung the hospital today and sort of told a bit of a fib. Basically, I'm going to Mallorca next week and I want the cast off so that I can go in the, in the sea. sea. Yeah. yeah. So I've told them that I have to go away for work for like a month. So I was like, I've got to choose. Either I've got to have it off before this month away or after. And they've gone, well, I guess before would be marginally better. Right. So I'm going to try and sneak it off a week early so I can maximise my holiday. <laughs> Obviously, I will then slip in the sea and fall against a rock and shatter the wrist into a million pieces. I'm fully aware that that will now happen. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, at least I'll have a nice swim first. Yeah, well, do, you know, try and avoid rocks. That's well, let's hope the people at the hospital aren't listening as well, because they yeah. may retract their you kind could, of... You could easily have fucked yourself here. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, yeah. Again. Um, when will you ever learn? Okay, um, <laughs> this is a question from Linus Inglesby. Mm -hmm. And he wants to know, given the time of year that we're in, what sources do you rate as most reliable, if any, and least reliable in transfer season? 
That's a really good question. It is a good it? question, isn't it? Yeah. I'm quite unreliable, I would say. I've been wrong about plenty of things in the past. <laughs> um, but uh, who do I rate? I'll tell you who I really like, actually. This is a proper plug I'm doing now. Um, this is the this is sportwitness.co.uk. Are you aware of that site? I certainly am, yeah. They do a very good job of kind of analysing uh, reports from foreign media and transfer stories and kind of debunking anything that that's nonsense and sort of trying to get to the, the truth of it. I think they do a very good job of that. Yeah. They filled a great niche actually in the, in, in the, the transfer madness and websites, because let's face it, any old cunt can just make stuff up and say, this deal is happening. Arsenal set for sensational 60 million pounds, striker swoop, etc., mm. etc. You know, um, we've had situations and we continue to have situations where misinformation uh, comes from fake accounts, uh, fake quotes from agents, all that kind of stuff. And it's just people being assholes. And then in the race for hits and clicks and page views, people will repeat that without even vaguely looking to see if there's any truth to it. Um, mm. And I think that's that's a bit of a shame. And I think it's also a shame that um, some of the some of the big papers now have resorted to that kind of nonsense with their their transfer window deadlines or their transfer live blogs and all that kind of stuff. They're just peddling complete nonsense headlines, and they know they are um, at the expense of credibility uh, for their publication because the demand uh, and the the need to get page views and hits and clicks on your website is increasing um, exponentially with the uh, the amount of people who aren't buying newspapers anymore. But, mm. you know, what do we... You know, people will talk about, for example, David Ornstein, uh, Jeremy Wilson in the, in the Telegraph. I'm talking about, uh, from an Arsenal point of view here, John Cross. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you see some people say, well, there's a story from John Cross. It's, it's complete bollocks. It's John Cross. But as you know, and I know... John, um, despite working for a paper in which there are pressures to produce something uh, and to produce something that, that gets a lot of clicks, is very well placed. Extremely He's in around Arsenal all the time, knows a lot of people. Um, and it's not a coincidence, for example, that very often you see a transfer story uh, at 11 o'clock on, on News Now. Telegraph has it, Mirror has it, Mail has it, by the, the Arsenal beat journalists. Of course. Yeah, there's definitely... I mean, these people are extremely well-informed, and I, I, they are in kind of a, a no-win situation. A great example is, is David Ornstein of the BBC, whose information is, you know, it, it comes from a very good place at Arsenal and is, is generally extremely accurate. But whenever I retweet something he said, there's always one person who says, yeah, but three years ago he said this thing about Mikel Arteta and it proved to be incorrect. And... You know, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because football, especially the world of transfers, is so febrile and fragile and, and you know, things fall through or come back on at the last second that inevitably you will sometimes be wrong. Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean that the information is not given from a good source or, or in good faith. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's the thing, isn't it? It's that because there's this um, desire to know what's happening behind the scenes, even if knowing that information could be detrimental to the thing that's happening behind the scenes. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, mm. I heard, I remember very clearly, and it was in the very, very early days of Arsblog, and I remember hearing, and, I, you know, it was at, at a point where I knew very little um, behind-the-scenes information about Arsblog. I still don't know that much, um, and I'm certainly not painting myself as in the know, but about... I don't know, maybe it was the day before the Reyes thing happened. I heard about the Reyes thing. Mm. And look, Arsblog was much smaller then, and you kind of think, well, what the hell do I do with that information? If I publish it and it fucks up the deal, then I look like a dick. And if I publish it and it fucks up the deal, or, you know, not that... It could, you know what I mean? It's a difficult thing to, to yeah, do, particularly, certainly... particularly if you are an Arsenal fan working in an unofficial sort of basis as, as Arsblog is. Whereas the the Mirror or the, the Telegraph, the big newspapers, um, regardless of the affiliation of the journalist, you know, they want the story. Of course, and there's a professional and contractual obligation to put it out there. I, I've had the same situation in the past where you hear something and you think, well, actually, 
you know, this this could be a big story. This would certainly generate a lot of clicks and hits and maybe even advertising revenue, but it could be detrimental to the club. That can be a real dilemma at times. Didn't you do something on the on Gunnar blog, that crazy um, supermarket sweep type thing that we did, where you, like, wrote a post, but the... The first letters of the post spelt out Mertesacker's name? Yeah, that was on Twitter. I wrote a, a cryptic thing where it was like, I can't, I don't know what the word is for that, but you know, if you took the first letter of every word, it spelled out Mertesacker. Acronym. A- yeah. And this is before that was in the press. But you know, I don't think any, I don't think a single person picked up on it. So it was just, uh, it was just a magic trick, really, so that when it came off, <laughs> I could go like, ta da, look what I did. But that was a, again, that was one where, you know, I knew about the, the deal, but but sat on it. But I do think that coming back to people being reliable, you know, all the people you mentioned there, Dave Heitner at the Guardian. Like, I think they're you know, they're well connected at the club. They've been covering Arsenal for a long time, and if they report something, I think it's generally because there's something to it. Where it comes from is sometimes the issue because obviously an agent can call you and say, mm. um, "Arsenal want my player," and it's clear that that's a story that benefits the agent and the player. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not just... The, the information isn't just coming from Arsenal sources. We know that agents like to use uh, the media. And, and let's face it, uh, the media like to use information from agents uh, to drive stories as well. But that's not unusual at all, to drum up interest in a player. Um, you know, a story will be put out there yeah there are uh, there are many layers to this transfer business it is know. a dark and mysterious business indeed sure is uh but there you go so i don't know what, what was the question who do we think is reliable yeah i mean i think i think what you have to do i don't you can't say that somebody is 100 percent reliable what you have to do is make your judgment on how the information is given do you think it's been given in good faith um and and maybe look at at, at the the various websites that do peddle the bad stuff and just don't visit them. Don't well, give it. them the clicks and the hits because that is the only reason that they exist. Also, you're not, you know, you don't, no one's the oracle. You don't have to f- follow just one person's opinion. We're in the position where we can sit back and look at kind of the weight of opinion across a number of journalists or a number of newspapers, like the Czech situation. If it was one journalist peddling this story, I think you'd, you wouldn't give it the same level of credence. But the fact everybody's running the same thing yeah, uh, certainly makes it stand up more. So, you know, we're all playing detective, aren't we, all summer? Um, and it's, I suppose, part of the fun, but it can be quite infuriating when it's, mm. you know, covered with when there are all these other less reputable stories out there. Yes, indeed. All right, let's have another question. Okay, um, let's have a look. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, I, I like this one. So it's Patrick Vieira's birthday today. Happy birthday. Yep, and Rob Ashdown asks, favourite Vieira moment and would you like him at Arsenal in some capacity? Uh, favourite Vieira moment? Jeez, um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I really love that goal that he scored against Newcastle. That's what I was going to say as well. The top corner. Fucking love that goal. Just because mm. the way the ball fizzed and hopped and he just smashed it. Um, I, I also really love the goal against Leicester on the final day of the Invincible season. Yeah. This Very symbolic, the, the, isn't it? The run from deep, the fact that Burkham just found him... Um, the, the way he just clipped the ball over and yeah, just a yeah, fantastic. But I mean, there's so many, so many great moments. Uh, Isn't there a great goal at home to Manchester United? Oh Did yeah, and that, that was the in the corner his first of the season? box, something like that. Yeah, I think that's with a, a great bit of Martin Tyler commentary over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he just kind of curls it in. It's a, it's kind of an amazing, uh, an amazing yeah. goal. Um, yeah, I mean that was great. I mean, I, I you know, despite what people say. I sort of enjoyed him having a quick spit at Neil Ruddock because <laughs> fuck him, he was a wanker. Um, yeah. uh, it's funny for a, for a player who was often regarded as a kind of destroyer. There are some great goals, you know. I, I think of well as there was a goal at Anfield. Do you remember that? A, a, a flowing oh, passing. Oh yes, yes, yes. That was a little tick, 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 dunk goal. Really nice goal yeah. that. Brilliant. Um, his final kick in an Arsenal shirt, winning the FA Cup as well. Not bad. Not a bad way to go. Not a bad way to go at all. And then there were just uh, probably uh, somebody out there needs to make this compilation. Just some of the tackles. 
the tackles, but also the 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 way he just come that, away with the ball. Yeah, oh. and he had that incredible knack of being able to lift the ball over the opponent's head. You know, he would kind of yeah. juggle it over the over them at times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was an astonishing player. Actually, I think. You know, I think we did know it at the time, but uh, mm. ir- irreplaceable, truly. Yeah, uh, right up there. For yeah. Me. And would you? And what about the whole him being at Man City? I mean, do you think you'd well, like to see yeah, him? At I Arsenal? don't know. I mean, it's hard to judge what he's done there. Mm. I mean, he's like the development coach, development manager, whatever. He's the reserves thing. You know, I, d- I don't know. Like, who who's made it from that squad into the Manchester City first team squad? It seems like a fairly difficult job to 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 get a hold on in terms of having a, being able to know whether he's done a good one or not. He True. was linked with the Newcastle job, wasn't he? I think he applied and was interviewed. Yeah. Right. So it's clear he wants to to move on to to a management role. Whether he's you know that's clearly not going to happen at Arsenal for a little while. But you know what? I'd have to wait and see what sort of a job he does uh, in, in the next position he holds, and then we'd we'd have a better idea. I would agree with that. I would you know, agree with that. right. One more question because we're we're heading towards uh, heading towards the hour mark and okay. life has to go on. This one comes from Simon King, and he says he's at Simon T King, and he says with the success of Jurassic World in mind, should Gunnosaurus go on a violent rampage to improve public image? I think Gunnosaurus should go on a violent ram- a rampage just because that would be excellent, wouldn't it? If it, we released him in Tottenham, say, yeah. And he just sort of like like Godzilla'd his way around Tottenham, setting fire yeah. to things. Well, they're good at doing that themselves. I'm <laughs> Very good, but uh, yeah, I, would, I mean, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Gunnosaurus, you know, break out of his out of his skin. Really, I was going to say out of his cage, but you know, just cut loose a bit. Mm. Would it not be a sad end to somebody who's brought so much joy and happiness and hugs to everyone that that he would essentially he would be gunned down by? Biplanes, fighter jets. That was King Kong, wasn't it? That yeah. is King Kong. God damn. I uh, mean, I can't remember how they dispatched the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Uh, this is Jurassic World we're talking about. I haven't, I haven't World. yet. I haven't yet seen it, but I have I'm, seen it. But no spoilers, guys. The dinosaur did it. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. No spoilers, but you know, let me tell you, the dinosaurs get out of their cages. All right. Yeah, that's that's what happens. You, um, uh, you won't believe it, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. I mean. I, I know what you mean. He's kind of more of a Barney-esque dinosaur. You know, he's a friendly dinosaur. He's like Denver, the last dinosaur. Do you remember him? No, I don't. Oh, it was kind of mid-90s, maybe earlier than that, cartoon about right. the last dinosaur. And he was a very friendly guy called Denver. Oh, right, okay. Um, he's kind of, you know, he's like Dino, isn't he, from Flintstones. He's, he's, a, he's good-natured, but it would be nice to see him really lose his shit. Yeah, maybe just, like, go to town on all the other mascots. Yeah, they could. We could have like a royal rumble with mascots. No, my money bill going to source all the way. Yeah, all right, all well, the way. Okay, well, um, right. Well, thanks very much indeed for listening. Thanks for all your questions. Sorry we couldn't get to uh, to more of them. A couple of them were uh, were quite involved, but we will be back at some stage next week, perhaps. Or not? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, I just wasn't listening then. It's not that I'm not available. Ah, right, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, next week, yeah, probably, why not? Why not, indeed. So, uh, until then, um, have yourselves a great time, and if you're living in Barcelona, get some pizza and two Euro beers. Why not? And if you're not living in Barcelona, you should be. Yeah. All right, then, until the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.